Samach right in the middle of the page. This is Gemara for Sunday. The first day of Shkedesh, and then we'll do the second day of Shkedesh. A man says to a woman, you're engaged to me. What am I doing for you on your behalf? I am going to speak to the government on your behalf. And it simply is, let's say she has a debt to the government and he's going to try to remove that. And there's an argument amongst Rishonim whether he actually had to be successful or he just said, I'll talk to the government. And if I'm successful, fine. If I'm not, I'm not. But at least I talk to the government. Now, it's worth some, some value because you might have to pay a consultant to do this on your behalf. And I'm going to do it gratis. And with that, you're going to be Makurish to me. Or the S Imcha Kipayu. I am going to be like a worker. And he carried it out. He went ahead and he spoke to the government and he spoke to the right channels and he acted like a worker in both of these cases, Mikudeshis. Only if he went ahead and did what he said he'll do, she is engaged. But he's not giving her any money. He's doing something for her and there's a certain satisfaction she's getting at the time. Now, whether it seems for the Mishnah that that satisfaction is what she's receiving and that is what's getting her engaged. That's what it seems. We are on, on Samar Gimel Amad Aleph. We just started the Mishnah. A man says to the woman, I'm going to go speak to the government on your behalf to help you out in your situation, your tax or whatever, your loans. And, and he did it. Or I'm going to work for you. And, uh, and he did it. And with that, I want to be engaged to you. So the Mishnah seems to say that she is a, it's a valid engagement. And the Gemara is going to clarify that. If you don't carry it out, then obviously you're not engaged. Amad Ishlaki says, don't learn the Mishnah the way you think. Don't learn the Mishnah that that satisfaction that he's giving her talking to the government or that he's working for her, that is what he gave her and that's the condition. Don't say that. Why? Because what Mishnah is talking about is he gave her money or something of value equal to Pruta. And he made it conditional that I'm also going to talk to the government on your behalf. That's a condition that he has to meet. So the Shlokish is completely changing the shot in our Mishnah. Because reading the Mishnah literally, it sounds like that. That is the condition. What forced the Shlokish to change Pshat? We'll see in a minute. But this has to do with an argument we learned a while ago. This argument is when somebody pays rent or you pay wages. How do the wages work? That I, I owe you nothing until you complete the job. Only when you complete the job. Or every step of the way, it's like incremental. Every step of the way, I owe you something. And bit by bit, but I don't have to pay to you yet. It's only a loan. It's only a debt. And when you complete the job, I'll pay you the whole thing. And the difference is, if he says to her, I am going to give you these wages that you owe me, that should be the, the, the Kedushin. It will depend if it's valid, because if she owes every step of the way, then really she has a loan with him. And we really learned previously that if you're Makadash, a woman with a loan, it's not a valid Kedushin, because you're not giving her anything. The money you gave her already a while ago. But if you learn that the payment is not due until you complete the job, then I'm saying to you, when I complete the job, keep that money, I'm giving you something. There's no loan, you owe me nothing, I'm just giving you. So Rish Lakir says, I'm going to follow the Mishnah that learns that it's a loan and therefore can't be the wages, it must be you gave her a proof of separately. And you just made it conditional. Says the Gemara, you tell me that wages, he cannot say to her, keep the wages and that will be condition. But Tanya, didn't we learn? If a man says to a woman, you know the money you owe me from last week, I, I took you on a ride, or I took you on a wagon, I took you across on a ship, because that's a loan, a debt she owes him, you're not giving her anything. I'm going to take you on a donkey. 
going to place you on a wagon. Nobody hasn't done it yet. There's no long yet. That's a valid condition because she doesn't owe him anything. It didn't happen. So what's going on here? If you're going to tell me that the pshat in that price is also, you gave us some money. But it says clearly the wages that you would give me, keep it. But question number one. Further, Tanya, let another price. If she says to him, I'm, I'm scared, I'm alone. Why don't you sit down with me in this carriage together with me? And if you do that, I'll be happy to get engaged to you. If you make me laugh or the dance for me, then that pleasure that I'm getting, that's the Kedushin. If he did these things that he requested, that she requested, Shaman, we assess. Uh, sorry, Dimus is like a build a, build, build a building. If Shaman, we assess the value. If the dancing or whatever, you would have to hire a clown who costs you more than a pruta, then he gave you a pruta value. So we see clearly that the wages can be counted as condition. If you can tell me he gave her money in addition. says clearly you have to assess the value. The condition is that value. Doesn't that repudiate the Shlokish opinion? Shlokish will tell you. No, this Brysa actually argues on a mission and it pivots around the question when do you owe the wages? At the end of the, the job or incrementally? If it's incrementally, it's really a loan. And when you say to her, don't bother paying me, you're giving, you're pardoning her loan. And that's not valid condition. If she doesn't owe the money till the very end, and you say to her at the very end, keep it, then you're giving her something. Tanabrosa, the bright holds, angels gonna say, you only pay the wage at the end, and therefore it's a valid condition. But with Tanadun, our Mishnah holds, yes, no, it's It's all incremental. So you matter why. What forced the Shlokish to sort of distort or reinterpret the Mishnah? Nowhere does the Mishnah mention that he gave her any money. Yet Yudha Shlok came along and said, the Mishnah is talking about you gave her money and that was a condition. Why did you change the Pshat in the Mishnah around? Omar Rav says, Rav, they bothered him a word in the Mishnah. My idiot, why does it say the Tony Almanas? Why does it say almanas, which is usually a word you use to describe a condition? I'm going to give you a divorce on the condition almanas that you give me money. But if, if you read the Mishnah literally, there's no conditions there. I'm going to do this, and this is the condition. Nitni bischad, just say you know the 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 the, the, the wages you pay me keep. It comes to teach you clearly that almanas means he actually gave him money, and this is an added condition. Mishnah. Next Mishnah. So there are three, okay, um, three cases here. Case number one. Uh, a man gives a woman Kedushin, and he says, Amanas Shiyitza Abba. On condition that my father agrees. That's case number one. So then it depends. Ratza Abba Kedushin. The father agrees. Fine. If the father disagrees, it's not a Kedushin, because the son gave it clearly on the uh, contingent on the fact that his father will agree. Case number one. Now, what we're not what we're not sure of is we're in the Mishnah on the bottom of the page, Samach Gimel Amr Aleph, which is actually Sunday's Gemara. So the Mishnah clearly uh, sorry, case number one. It's not clear what it means. The father agrees. Does he have to say I agree, or if he doesn't protest, that's tantamount to an agreement? That's what the Gemara is going to discuss. Case number two, with four lines on the bottom, three lines on the bottom of the page. Um, what about Mesa of? Father had died, and it seems like before he had a chance to, to say anything. 
then she's engaged as if we assume the, the father didn't protest, as if the father by, is, is tacitly agreed. Mezhaben, if the son died, and the question is now that she tied to the brother-in-law because, you know, were they engaged? We convince the father to say, you know, we cajole him, say that you that you, you don't approve of this shit. Three cases. So he more goes through them. How do we understand when it says our father that the father of the chassan agrees? The father has to clearly expressly say, yes, I agree to this marriage. Then look at the next case. It says, the father died. Then they're engaged. If the father died and the father never said yes, how in the world are they engaged? You made it clear that the conditional your father agreeing, but he died. And yet the mission says it's a valid engagement. So obviously, when, when we say the father has to agree, it really means the father shouldn't protest. And the fact is, the father died, he didn't protest. So the whole Omar, he didn't say yes. Ella must be. When you say your father agrees, even if the father, my father is quiet, as long as he doesn't resent what I did, that's to me considered an agreement, tacit agreement. Excuse okay. me, what page are we on? We're on, we just turned the page on 63B, on the very top of the page. 63 Okay. Sounds like the condition was, as long as my father doesn't, doesn't in any way, um, uh, what do you call it, contradict what we did or resent what we did, that's good enough. Aim a safe, and I'll look at the third case. The son died. You tell the father, say that you don't want it. Am I? But why? If the if um, if the it's too late, the, you're saying as long as the father didn't protest, then it's a valid condition. Well, as soon as the father heard about this and he didn't protest, they got married. What is the help of a week later? The son dies, the husband dies, and the father says, "No, oh, I don't like this marriage." Too late. You already gave a tacit agreement by not protesting. <clears throat> so the must as follows. Ella Omala must be that the last case is talking about a very different case. You said that the last case was as long as my father didn't protest without giving a time. That means even if my father initially agreed to the marriage, if in a year from now he doesn't agree, the marriage is dissolved, which means that they can never get married because every day that maybe the father will protest against it. So in the third case, it's a very weird case. He said on the condition that my father never um, never protests against this particular arrangement. So then, when the son, when the chassan died, we tell the father, you know what? Protest now, because it doesn't matter that a week ago you were happy with this arrangement. Protest now so that it dissolves this marriage, and she, she's not stuck with a brother. So it comes out, reisha bechatayma, it comes out the very first case, <coughs> the very first case is talking about where the father had to say yes. And the umitsiyas of a safer, the second and the third case, this is how Rashi learned it was different, but the second and the third case is bechat time, a different case altogether, where the father was told, <coughs> he said, on the condition my father never protests. So, if the condition the father never protests, if the father died, now you know he'll never protest again. So now the marriage can go ahead. If the son dies, we convince the father, doesn't matter a week ago you were happy, protest now, so dissolve it, there's no yibum. So it comes out very odd that the mission should have two different stories. Amr Yin, yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. First part of the mission is one case, and the second part of the mission is another case. 
it's clear from here, as difficult as it is to learn that the Mishnah is, seems to be one Mishnah flowing, and yet you tell me it's two disparate cases. I have two alternatives. Either to learn that the two parts of the Mishnah are arguing with each other, and it's two different authors, or learn it's the same author, but it's two different circumstances. In the first case, the son said, on the condition my father says yes. And the second or third case is, on the condition my father never says no. Never says no can mean a month later and two months later as well, which means they could never get married until either the father died, so now we'll never say no. And if the, if the husband dies, we convince the father, say no, so that she's not stuck with the brother-in-law. And so one Mishnah, two different stories, so I have a choice. So it seems, according to Rabbiana, he'd rather he'd rather learn the Mishnah has one author and two different circumstances, believe the Chatana and works out with one time. He'd rather, he prefers that than saying There's two different authors and the same reason. He doesn't like to take a Mishnah that seems to be written by one author and divide it into two. However, I don't understand the problem. I can learn the entire Mishnah talking about one case. And that is, when he said, I wish my father, on the condition my father is in agreement, but this is what he said, on the condition my father does not say no, but I give a time limit, as a cap. For the next 30 days. So therefore, <clears throat> in, in the first part of the Mishnah, if my father says yes, and 30 days elapse, and he doesn't say no, that's it. The marriage goes ahead. In the second case of the Mishnah, is the father died before the third days are up. He died a week into it. You have another three weeks that he could have said no, but now that his father is dead, you can get married now because he's never going to protest. And and the third case is if the son, if the son died and it's within the 30 days, we tell the father, please protest so that the, the, the that his wife, your uh, your daughter-in-law, should be a free woman and doesn't have to be stuck with a brother-in-law. Okay, Mishnah. We're up to the mission now. A man comes now. Remember, we learned a father is believed to say that he married off his daughter as biti nasati A man is believed to say he married off his daughter. Kidashti is biti. I married off my daughter, but the any I have no idea. Lemi kidashti. I just don't remember who the guy was. Somebody bachram there. I have no idea who it was. Boy, comes along a guy. But I ani kidashti. It was me. Nema. He's believed. Now, what do you mean he's believed? There's two ways of understanding the mission. Either he's believed and he can live with this girl, or he's believed to the extent that he has to give her, this girl a divorce, but he's not believed to say that he's the one who married her, which means that she can never marry anybody else because uh, every person that she wants to marry might be the brother of the one that she's engaged to. All he's believed is that he should give her a get, but it doesn't free her up, as we'll see in a minute. Next case. This guy says, I married her. Two people came along and said, each one of them claims to be the, 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 the what do you call it? The prospective chassan. What do we do now? So we don't know who to believe. They both have to give a divorce. But then, if they can make up between themselves, they can, they want to, one of them gives a get, frees her up, so the other one can go ahead and actually marry her. So it seems to the Mishnah, that the person can actually marry her. So maybe in the first case also, when only one person came along, maybe also he cannot, he believed to the extent that he can actually marry her, and 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 that's and we believe him. We'll see him in a minute. So Rav. Rav says, I know. I say, Neman Litin get. When the Mishnah says that if one person comes along and says, I am that chasen, he's only believed as far as giving a get. Um, but ain't Neman Litin, but he's not believed to marry her. 
believed to give her a get. We say, look, the people sin only if they personally benefit from it. But if we don't allow him to benefit, he can't marry her. Then why is he coming along and saying it was him? What's for what purpose? Must be he's telling us the truth, and therefore he gives her a divorce, and now she's a free woman. She's a free woman actually now because we believe him. But the moment we let him marry her, we can no longer believe him because maybe he's lying. We don't believe him, we don't trust him as far as that he should marry her. Why? Because then Yitzhak talked about people of the Yitzhahara, as we know that the sin is like, in fact, we consider like a, a people are like forced into it when it comes to these kind of things. They're not in control of their emotions. So don't trust him. Ravasi says, no, if you believe him as far as a get that now she's a free woman, she can marry any man, then she should be able to marry him as well. He, she should be able to marry him. But Ravasi agrees that the menace, if she's the one, not the father, but if she's the one said, Niskadashti, oh, I got myself engaged to a girl, to a guy, but the ain't a yoydas, let me, I don't remember who it is. A guy comes along, Obama says, it's me. In this case, he agrees. If it was the girl herself who said it, she's not believed to marry her. Why not? What's the difference if it's the father who says that I married my daughter off to somebody, I don't remember who, and he comes along, he says, yes, we believe him to the extent he can marry her. But if it's the girl who says, I don't remember, we don't let him marry her. What's the difference? You might explain a minute. Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, it says clearly in our Mishnah, there were two people, one of them can get married. Rav just said that we don't trust him as far as marriage. The Mishnah clearly says that two people came along, each two contenders, each one claims to be the prospective chasen. One of them can give a get, and one of them can marry her. I mean, you're trusting this guy. To you, to the Rav, a question of Rav. Rav says the case of two people is very different. When there are two people and you have the guts to come along and say it's me, knowing there's another person there saying that it's him, that means that you actually... Um, <clears throat> so what's the reason we said before that we believe him? Because a person does not sin if he has no benefit. But if, it's, but if um, we don't believe him to, to marry the person, why? Because we say that... Um, uh, <coughs> we don't believe him to marry the person because we say that the Yetzirah is taking over. We cannot really trust him. He has a personal benefit. But here, when you came along and there was another person there, you wouldn't have come along and said it was you if you didn't really believe that it was you. Because you knew there's another guy there. What happens if the father recognizes the other guy he doesn't recognize you? What's going to happen then? You look like a fool. The other guy will be the one accepted, not you. So therefore, we say that if you come along and you say that you're the one and the other guy gave a get, then you're probably saying the truth because you wouldn't have the chutzpah. We'd be so brazen to come along and say, I was a chasm, but there's another guy there and the father might recognize the other guy. So, but if that's why by two people, we say you can get married. Because there's another person, he'll be scared to lie. Must be telling the truth. There's more grounds to say he's telling the truth. Okay, Tanya comes from Asi. We actually learned in the Brisa, similar to Rabasi. And that is... It says in the Brisa, a man says, I married with my daughter. I don't know who to who. It was me. We believe him to the extent that he can even marry her, like Asi said. But Konsa, she, uh, let's say she married this guy. Comes along after she married this guy. Another guy, a second party comes along and says, it was me. 
We don't trust anymore. We believe it's a full marriage and we don't trust anybody else. But what about the woman says, I was engaged. I don't remember to who. We don't trust this person to marry her. And that is as follows. You know why we don't trust? Because even if he's lying, she's happy to marry the guy and she is going to protect him. And if another party comes along and says one day, oh, it was me, she is going to deny it so that she can stay married with this guy. Because if she agreed to marry this guy right now, then she's very happy to marry this guy. Because she could have just said, no, it wasn't. And the fact that she's happy to marry, she's going to protect him. She has a personal vested, she invested in this relationship. And therefore, there's no ground, we cannot trust him sufficiently. Ibailu, he asked now a general question. The father said, my daughter married a guy. How far do we take it and we say, my daughter is married to this guy? What happens if she was Mizana? Are we going to kill her because the father told us, we have no witnesses that she ever got married. It's only the father's word. How far do we take the father's word? Do we say that not only she's married, but if she committed Znus, if she committed adultery and there were witnesses, she's going to get killed because we believe the father totally, completely. Rav says, ain't cycling. We don't take it that far. And Rav Asa says, cycling. Yes, we do. We trust the father implicitly. We believe the father only as far as Issa, that she should not marry anybody else. She cannot marry anybody else until we know exactly who she is married to. She can't go anywhere else. <clears throat> but but to say that if she is Mazana to get her killed, no. We believe him entirely. The father is very powerful. But I agree. But I met us in this Kadashti. If she's the one who said, I got engaged, and then she is Mazana, she won't get killed. Based on her testimony, she won't get killed. In other words, we give a lot more credence to the father's testimony than to her. She ain't cycling. We don't kill. Says the Gemara, that's what it sounds like. Said Avasi, but if you think about it, it's not, it's not exactly straight. These two dinim that I just said, the second din that I said, that if the difference between the father and her, that the father it said that she's married and she's mezana and she'll get skiller. If she says she's married, we will not give her skiller. We will not give her skiller. And then the first case we said, if the father said that, uh, I, I don't remember who it is, and a guy comes along and says, it's me, we trust the guy. That case sounds like that the father's testimony is very weak and we trust the guy, not the father. But if she comes along and says, I'm married to somebody, and a guy comes along and says, I married her, we say, no, we don't trust this guy. In other words, her word is more important than his word. So my two laws are contradicting each other. He, he used an expression that my laws is breaking through the roof. And that is why it's, if, 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 if let's say it comes to getting married, we say you can get married, it means that the father's testimony is weak. We trust this outsider, yet yet the father's testimony about his daughter that she's married and then she's Mazana. She'll get killed. So when it comes to the woman, if the guy comes along and said it was me, we don't trust him. In other words, we trust the woman that she's a married woman to somebody, but we don't trust the guy that's in them. So therefore, she's her words are much more powerful. Surely, if she says she's married and then she commits this, surely she should get stoned. We trust her. So then he said, it's not really a problem. And that is as follows. The Torah clearly said, we believe the father. So therefore the father said, she's a married woman. And then she's Mazana, she'll get skila. We don't trust her at all. No possible said you trust her. You know why? If she says, I married somebody, we say that, um, that she's considered married. 
because there's a concept behind the end of the Dorim, Shavya Anav Sheikhatikhidasura. Persons allowed to say to me it's forbidden. I don't have to have any proof. I'm treating it as if it's something that is forbidden to me. And that's the reason why that if she says she's married, we say, okay, so to you, she's it's usa. Not because we actually believe her. And Achiza says, we don't, in both cases, we don't give skill, not by the father, not by the daughter. Says the Gemara, is actually consistent with his view. <coughs> that is, <coughs> says, in order for a child to be considered an adult, you need two things. You need puberty and you need years. A boy has to be 13, full 13 years old, and a girl has to be 12. But you also, if you if you reach those ages and you didn't reach puberty, you're not yet bar mitzvah, bas mitzvah. If you have puberty and didn't reach those years, we say shum, it's only, you know, it's, it's an aberration. It's not the real thing. It's only an old growth, a mole or something. It's not the real thing. If a man says, my son is nine-year-old, nine-year-old a day, which means he's capable of, of, of having intimacy. And if he has intimacy with someone that is forbidden, she will get killed. He won't because he's a minor, but she will get killed because it's capable of the, of the act. Or a girl that's three years old and over and an adult, and she's a, a, a sister of this adult, um, he will get killed. And, and only if, if he reached these age, and we trust the father to say that. Neman, he believed, but how far do we trust the father? The carbon. We trust the father as far as if it was a mistake, whatever it is, to bring a carbon. Not to come to punishment. Not when it comes to lashes, not when it comes to capital punishment or taste of learns, not when it comes to lashes, midirabanan, or punishment from the Torah. So what does he clear from here? That the father does, even though we believe him, does not have that full extent that we believe him completely. <coughs> this son is 13 years old. The one day. This daughter is 12 years old a day. Nema. No, if the father said this, actually, the, I, I saw in, in some of the Rishayim, they say the father or the mother, because in the Gemara it always says the father, because of that Pasuk, but the Rishayim say the father and the mother, because they know their child better than anybody else, they know exactly how old the child is. They believe when it comes to the Durham, the child is an adult, or Haramim, when they consecrate things to the or the Hegdesha, their Maktish, an animal, or the they say my value, I've learned the Makalanjian, I'm going to come to punishment. So the parents are, are believed. The Rishayim really want to know, uh, what about an Eid Echel comes along and says the same thing? What's so special about the father? So someone to say, the, the, you're right, an Eid Echel is believed. But a father is a relative, and generally as a rule, we don't believe relatives, or has a vested interest. And the Chiddush is we believe. Others say, no, we don't believe an Eid Echel here, only we believe, only we believe the father. Um, so Chase asks a general question. So we, we have all these kids going around, people 13, 14 years old doing things. If we don't see the father, we don't know the father is a yasim. How can you ever treat them? How do we know that they're bar mitzvah? How do we know? Even if we if we see signs of puberty, how do you know the age? If there's no passport and documents or witnesses, how do we know the age? How do we trust anybody? So Tracer says, therefore, if there's if, if there's a lot of hair growth, especially if there's a beard, that tells us that must be of age. So that gives an indication. Or Teza says, if they're tall enough, in other words, maybe not, it doesn't mean tall, but you look at their face, you look at their body, their physique, it looks like an adult. So therefore, that's, that is good enough. 